All right, Revelation chapter 12. Uh, you can just remain seated. I'm going to read the whole chapter and I won't, I won't ask you to stand for the entire reading, so just remain seated this morning. Uh, Revelation chapter 12. Did I say Romans? No, Revelation, Revelation 12. We're going to read the whole chapter and, uh, and then we'll get into it this morning. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven and behold a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up into God, unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent, called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you having great wrath. Because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast under the earth. He persecuted the woman which brought forth the man child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent was cast out of his mouth and the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Remarkable chapter, isn't it? Isn't it clear? I mean, all you got to do is read it and you know exactly what's going on. We can go home. Uh, it's a it's a it's a complex passage. Uh, you can get lost in it, 
But um, I've spent two weeks trying to simplify it the best I can. And I trust the Lord to honour my labour and that it will be simple for you to be understood as we work our way through it. You say, it took you two weeks to get your head around that? It's taken me 22 years and then two solid weeks. And I still don't have my head around it completely. I'm just going to do the best I can. You may disagree with bits of it here and there, but that's okay. That'll be fine. Let me remind you that uh, here we are in this midpoint of the tribulation period. We're in this midpoint, chapter 10, chapter 11, chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14. is all parenthetical. It's all things that are happening in the midpoint of the tribulation period. We've seen the first three and a half years go. We've seen the the uh, the the, the, the uh, seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, and we've come to this midpoint before we reach the vile judgments that make up the 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 last three and a half years of Daniel's seventieth week. So here we are in Revelation chapter twelve, and what we're doing in these chapters, chapter ten to chapter fourteen, we're mainly focusing on things. The focus is zeroed in on things that are happening in heaven before things happen on earth. At this midpoint of the tribulation period, there's an awful lot of happenings in the spirit realm in heaven before anything happens and is carried out during the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. So let's be mindful that that's where we're at chronologically as we work our way through. We're at the midpoint. And we're focusing on things happening in heaven. And here in chapter 12, again, it's parenthetical and it's symbolic in its language. It gives us, a, this is important, get this, get this in the introduction. It gives us a quick fire history of the Jew from the birth of Christ to the burial of Christ and the tribulation period. It, it, it basically, chapter 12 overlooks the church period. It's, it's, a, it's a look at the relationship between the Jew, the nation Israel, and Jesus Christ. That's what chapter 12 mainly is about. And it basics, basically skips over the church period of which we find ourselves in. The word great, the word great is mentioned five times in this chapter alone. You notice it in chapter one. It says, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven. It was a great wonder in heaven. Notice verse 3. Another wonder in heaven and behold a great red dragon. Notice verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out. Verse 12. For the devil is come down unto you having great wrath. And then verse 14. And the woman were given two wings of a great eagle. Five times we, we find the word great. An interesting study, and we won't get distracted on it, but an interesting study in the book of Revelation is the word and. If you read the book of Revelation, you will find sentences, verses, and chapters starting with the word and. I believe that that is poor English. If I remember from my rebukes from my English teacher as I failed English all the way through, you can't put and at the beginning of the sentence. Why not? It works for me. And, uh, but what we can, what we can understand from the book of Revelation, and we see verse 12 starts with and. I think there's three or four chapters 
in the book of Revelation that every verse starts with and. What we can draw from this is, is that the book of Revelation, we've got to remember that it's a, it's a, it's a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ and it's a constant vision all the way through. We just can't divide and chop and pull things out here and there. It's a continuous thought all the way through. And when we start chopping it up, we're going to do damage. As we come to chapter 12, point number one this morning, let's just jump into it. I want you to notice a woman. And it was considered a great wonder as John saw it. It's notice verse 1 and 2 and 5 and 6. Verse 1 and 2 and verse 5 and 6. We'll look at these two verses together. I'll read them again. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. And she being with child cried travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. Go to verse 5. And she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron and a child was caught up under God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. I want you to notice who the woman is. I'm just going to make a statement who it is and then seek to prove it from the scriptures. The woman is the nation of Israel. The woman is the nation of Israel. Another interesting study to do in the book of Revelation is look at the women in the book of Revelation. There's four women in the book of Revelation and I encourage you to check that out. But here we have the woman and this woman that's uh, said to be, uh, said to be clothed with the sun is symbolic of the nation of Israel. Notice, you'll notice it in verse six. The woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. That's three and a half years. That's 42 months. That's 1,260 days. That's the last portion of the tribulation period. Notice verse 12. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. Notice verse 16, And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened up her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. The woman is not Mary, the mother of Jesus. That's a misinterpretation. The woman is not the church. That's a misinterpretation. The woman is the nation of Israel. And if you mess that up, you're just going to get off on the whole rest of it. Let's be clear. The woman is the nation of Israel. Let's, let's notice the woman's appearance. The woman is said to be clothed with the sun. It's said that under her feet is the moon. And upon her head is a crown of 12 stars. I won't get lost in trying to prove all this to you, but let me just make these statements and I'll give you a verse. I want to say that the fact that she's clothed with the sun speaks of supreme authority. Supreme authority. The moon under her feet speaks of delegated authority. Authority. 
and the crown of 12 stars, Pete speaks of the 12 tribes of Israel. And we could spend a lot of time digging in on that, but we won't for this morning because we've got a lot to cover. I want you to notice Genesis chapter 37 and verse 9. Would you turn there with me? And this is in reference to the 12 stars. If you notice, please, uh, Genesis chapter 37 and verse 30, Genesis 37 and verse 9. The first great wonder that was seen here in chapter 12 is this woman clothed with the sun. This woman is the nation of Israel. Notice Genesis 37 and verse 9. This is speaking of Joseph. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more and behold the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. Here in this verse, in a cross-reference, now in our verse, verse 1, we have the sun, we have the moon, and we have stars. Here in Genesis 37 and verse 9, we have Joseph speaking to his brethren that are the forefathers of the tribes of Israel. And he, he said, Behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me and Joseph being the 12th star. I believe the crown that is the crown of 12 stars peaks of the tribes of Israel. I think that's pretty clear. Notice verse 2 and verse 5. Notice these statements. We notice the statement in verse 2. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. Notice verse 2. And she being with child. The woman is with child. Notice verse 5. And she brought forth a man child. Now, the woman is Israel. The child that Israel brought forth is the Messiah, Jesus. That's the child that she's the, the woman is with child, that's Jesus the Messiah. She brings forth a man-child. That man-child that Israel brings forth is the Messiah, Jesus. Go with me. Well, no, don't. Uh, I'll, um, let's see, for the sake of time. Let me just, get, I'll, I'll give you these references, I'll read them, and I'll get you to turn to a passage in a minute. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, a well-known passage, it says this, For unto us... A child is born. Unto us, that's plural, that's Israel. Unto us, under Israel, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment, with justice from henceforth, even forever. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and following has in view not only the first coming of Jesus, but the second coming of Jesus, the child that was born unto them, plural. Doesn't speak, it's not speaking about Mary. It's speaking about us, the nation of Israel. Micah chapter 5 and verse 1 says, Now gather thyself in troops, O daughter of troops. He hath laid siege against us. They shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. But thou, Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee, 
shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel. Oh, it speaks of the nation of Israel being the mother of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, that's all Old Testament. We'll turn to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, verse 3, 4 and 5. And this just spells it out clearly that this woman that is with child is the nation of Israel and the nation of Israel is the mother of the Messiah. We think, well, Jesus, uh, Jesus' Jesus's mother is Mary. Well, yes, but it was by the nation of Israel that Jesus came. And if it wasn't for the nation of Israel, there'd be no Mary and there'd be no Jesus. Romans chapter 9, notice verse 3, For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Notice at verse 4, Who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the service of God, and the promises. Verse 5, Whose are the fathers, and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God bless forever, amen. How did Christ come into this earth? Through the nation of Israel. If it hadn't been for the nation of Israel, Christ couldn't have come into this earth. It's by and through the nation of Israel, Christ came into this earth the first time. And it's by and through the nation of Israel, Christ will come back to this earth the second time. The woman in, in chapter 12 of Revelation is Israel. The woman, the, the, the man child that she is with and the man child that she brings forth is the Messiah the Lord Jesus Christ. Have a look at the travailing of this woman. Notice verse 2. And she being with child, back in Revelation 12 and verse 2, and she being with child cried travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. Notice verse 5 and 6. And she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And a child was caught up under God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. We see the travailing of the woman. So we're seeing the travail of Israel in the birth pains of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now turn with me to Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 7. And it's important that you understand this when it comes to the chronological order and the uniqueness of Christ's birth. When we're thinking of a natural birth, when a child is born, a woman is with child, a woman travails in pain and brings forth a baby. That's the natural process. However, Christ's birth of the nation of Israel is unique in this. Notice it, Isaiah 66 and verse 7. Before she travailed, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man-child. This is speaking of the woman, Israel. Before she travailed, 
she brought forth a man-child. You see, the travail of Israel, the travail of the birth of Christ, the, the birthing pains, the travail pains, don't come until tribulation period. The nation of Israel brings forth a man-child, and it's not until we come to the tribulation period that we see the travail of that woman, the travail of the nation of Israel. We could look to other places down through history where she has been persecuted and the Jews been persecuted, the Maccabean age and all different things. And we can look at what happened in Germany and different places and, and all different stuff. Over history, we can see that. But nationally, her great travail will come during the tribulation period. Did you notice that in Isaiah 66 and verse 7? It speaks of the uniqueness of the birth of Christ. It says, before she travailed, she brought forth. Israel didn't travail before she brought forth. She just brought forth and then travailed. Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man-child. She was delivered of a man-child and then pain Cain. Israel is often referred to as a woman in travail. Notice Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 31. For I've heard a voice as of a woman in travail, and the anguish is as of her that bringeth forth her first child, the voice of the daughter of Zion that bewaileth herself, that spreadeth her hands, saying, Woe is me now, for my soul is wearied because of my murderers. Isaiah 26 and verse 17, like as a woman with child that draweth near to the time of her delivery is in pain and crieth out in her pangs, so have we been in thy sight, O Lord. Over and over again, that's just two examples, but over and over again throughout scripture, Israel is described as a woman in travail. Have a look in, are you in Revelation chapter 12? I want you to notice verse 5 and 6. We need to be careful that we don't get ahead of ourselves in these verses. Notice verse 5. She brought forth a man-child. That's past. Israel's brought forth a man-child. That's past. This is all in one verse. Notice it. She brought forth a man-child. What for? who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. He hasn't done that yet. So you've got to get the chronological order just of this verse correct. She brought forth a man-child. That was the birth of Christ, who is to rule all nations with a rod of iron. That's future. And her child is caught up under God and to his throne. That's present. So just in verse 5, we've got past, future and present, all in that one verse. Be, be careful how you break it down. Be careful how you study it out. Study your Bible carefully. Don't just read over it and come to a conclusion. Actually pay attention to what it says. Break it down. She brought forth a man child. That's happened. He has not ruled with a rod of iron yet. That's still in the future. But right now he is caught up under God and to his throne. That's where Jesus is right now. After his burial and resurrection, he went to God the Father. He sits on the right hand of God. That's where we are right now. And notice the future fleeing of Israel in verse 6. And the woman, speaks of Israel, fled into the wilderness 
where she had a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. That's the travail of the woman that happens during the last three and a half years of the great tribulation period. That's the great travail, that's the great birthing pains of the woman of Israel. Okay, let's leave that there. It's also seen, actually, you can, ha- you can also see that down in verse 14, and we'll cover this again in a minute. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into a place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time for the, uh, from the face of the serpent. So there's the woman, a woman. It's the nation of Israel. Secondly, this morning, verse 3 and 4, I want you to notice a dragon, a red dragon. What a picture. Incredible, isn't it? A red dragon. And verse 3, and there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his trail and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. So in verse 3 and 4, we see a red dragon, a great red dragon. And this represents Satan. The word dragon is, rep- is, is mentioned 12 times in the book of Revelation. The word dragon is mentioned seven times in chapter 12 alone. In this chapter, you'll find the word dragon mentioned seven times. In every aspect in the book of Revelation, the dragon is referring to Satan. We have our text here in Revelation 12 and verse 3, and behold, a great red dragon. That's the first time the word dragon is mentioned in the book of Revelation. But go with me to Revelation chapter 20 and verse 2, and you'll notice the final time the word dragon is used. Praise God for this passage. Revelation chapter 20, boy, I'm looking forward to getting to this verse in this chapter. Not only in studying it, but in reality. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 2. I'll go look at verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Praise God for that. The dragon is Satan, the devil, the old serpent. He represents Satan. When John saw this great red dragon, he was a dragon that had seven heads. These seven heads had seven crowns, and upon these seven crowns had ten horns. Now here's what we could do. We could spend 12 months studying this out and still argue over what we think it is. So I'm going to be vague and general in my assessment. You can call me a coward... I got a whole of chapter 12 to get through in one day, in one setting, and so we can argue about it later in person. Let me make this statement. The seven heads, the seven crowns, and the ten horns represent the kingdoms of this world being influenced by the Antichrist and ultimately controlled by Satan himself, the great red dragon. I believe as, as we will go to, go to Revelation chapter 13 and verse 1, I'll say a few things. Revelation 13 and verse 1, we'll be in this next week. Notice Revelation 13 and verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise out of the sea, 
having seven heads, ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Go into Revelation 17 and verse 1 through 5. Revelation 17 verse 1 through 5. My opinion is it's the revived Roman Empire known throughout the book of Revelation as Babylon. And we can get into the nitty-gritty of it all, but I'm not going to get lost in the nitty-gritty of it all. You're welcome to study it out. But notice Revelation 17 and verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither. I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. See the kings of the earth? Have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he cried, so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. There it is again. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, here it is, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abomination of the, of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and, and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee, I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. No doubt we can study Daniel chapter 7 and we can look at what Daniel chapter 7 has to say and we could spend weeks in Daniel chapter 7 and study this all out. But the reality is this. The red dragon symbolizes Satan at this midpoint of the tribulation period. And we're going to see it in a minute. He's cast out of the second heaven with his angels and he's cast down to this earth. And he, he takes, he takes, at, up until now, he's been empowering the Antichrist. And the Antichrist has been doing his bidding and they've made a covenant with Israel and it's a false covenant of peace. But this is going to be broken when Satan is cast out of heaven here in a minute and, and, and he see, we see him down here on earth and, he, and he, he embodies the beast and he takes full control of himself. He takes full control himself of what's happening down here on earth. And he, he rules and he controls the great mystery Babylon, the, the nations and the kingdoms of this earth and through the kingdoms of this earth he wars, he wages war against the woman, the nation Israel. So there's a great red dragon. He has seven heads, seven crowns, ten horns. They're symbolic of the kingdoms of this earth with whom Satan will control through this tribulation period. Notice verse 4, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 4. This is an interesting verse. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered so no, and uh, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. We see here that the, the dragon's tail drew one third of the angels. 
We see here the fall of one third of the angels during Satan's final rebellion in heaven and subsequent expulsion. When, when Satan is cast out of the second heaven, which we'll see here in a minute during this war, one third of the angels, the stars, are cast out with him to the earth. We see that the dragon will stand before the woman to devour her child. Do you know that's exactly has been Satan's intent ever since his original rebellion where he was cast out of the presence of God. Remember that? He was cast out right from Genesis chapter 3 and verse 14. If we go all the way back to the seedbed of everything in scriptures, we go back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 14. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go. Dust shall they eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Ever since God said to the serpent after the Garden of Eden, Ever since God said to the serpent, you're going to bruise, you're going to bruise his, he- his heel, but the seed of the woman's going to bruise your head. Amen. And ever since the time, ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, the dragon, the serpent, Satan, has been busy seeking to crush the seed of the woman and to prevent the birth of the Messiah. We see that all the way down through the Old Testament. We see, we see the, the, the fall of man. We see the, 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 the curse with the Tower of Babel. And we see uh, the, the focus shift from man in general with the garden and with uh, the curse at the Tower of Babel. Then God chooses the nation of Israel and then Satan's concentration is no longer the world generally, but he's focused on the nation of Israel and he does everything he can to seek to destroy the seed of the Messiah and he's battling constantly against the nation of Israel all down through. That's what we have with, with Abraham making that foolish decision and, and, uh, and not trusting God and taking his handmaid and laying with her. That was all Satan influencing things and seeking to destroy the seed of the Messiah that would come through the nation of Israel. And we see that all the way down through the nation. Why do you think the nations and the kingdoms of this world hate little old Israel and always have? It's because the kingdoms of this world, the nations of this world, the governments of this world, even today are influenced and controlled by the spirit of, spirit of iniquity. That red dragon, that serpent, he hates Israel, he always has. And that's why the nations of this world hate Israel. And then we see the, you know, old Satan, then after the, 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 the birth of Christ, and, and we see there with Herod, Satan again is stirring Herod to have the, the two-year-old boys slaughtered out of jealousy and insecurity because they said a king was born. And Herod said, kill all the two-year-old boys, kill every one of them, trying to get him. And why did Herod do that? Well, he was influenced by Satan. Why, why did the nation, why, why did the religious system in Jesus' day reject him as Messiah? 
Why did the, the, this earth and this world and Israel, why did they reject the Messiah? Because they were influenced by Satan to reject him. And Satan thought he'd got the victory. When Jesus hung on that cross and they put him in that tomb, Jesus, uh, Satan no doubt thought he'd won the victory. But what he didn't realise was three days later and three nights later, up from the grave he arose and my Lord and my Saviour got the victory over death, hell and the grave and the red dragon and praise God, I'm telling you, he came through the first time through the nation Israel and he's coming back the second time through the nation Israel and he will reign and rule on this iron with a rod of iron. Isn't that good? Praise God, I'm grateful for that. But he's always sought to destroy the seed. On the cross, when up from the grave he arose, Jesus crushed his head and bruised his head. Satan lost that day. And from that day, Satan knows he's the loser. And as we come down to the close of humanity and time on earth, Satan knows his time's drawing close. We need to keep moving. Notice verse 7 through verse 9. So we've noticed a woman, we've noticed a dragon. Notice with me thirdly, a war in heaven. Verse 7 through verse 9. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. Remember in these chapters at this midpoint of Daniel's 70th week, we're focusing mainly on what is happening in heaven before it happens on earth. And what we have here, I'm just going to make some general statements and move on. What we have here is Michael and his angels. Warring against the red dragon and his angels in heaven. There's three heavens. We're talking about a war in the second heaven. Not the third heaven, not in the throne of God, not in the presence of God, but in that second heaven, in, in, in that, that, that atmosphere. We have the first heaven, our clouds, our rain, our atmosphere. Second heaven is what we might refer to as space and the moon and the stars. And then there's the third heaven, which is the very presence of God. There's a war waging in the second heavens. Do you understand that there's a spiritual warfare happening every day? And here we have Michael waging war against the dragon. We're talking about war in the spirit realm between good and evil. We notice that Satan is defeated and cast out with his angels into the earth. It is Satan that has this world deceived now and he will be deceiving this world even more so during the future period through his control of the Antichrist and the beast. Notice what it says. We see in verse 7, there's the war. We see in verse 8 that the devil, the dragon and his angels, they don't prevail. And no place is found anymore for them in heaven. Notice verse 2, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. During this midpoint of the tribulation period, Satan and his angels are cast out of the heavens into the earth. 
Up until this midpoint, he's been distant. Now he's here. No wonder things are going to escalate through this last three and a half years. So there's a war in heaven. We've got to keep moving. Notice fourthly this morning, a rejoicing in heaven. Verse 10 through verse 12. After the war, after, the, after that dragon, the old serpent, the devil, Satan, uh, is cast out. Notice in verse 10, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives under the death. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea for the devil is come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. We see rejoicing in heaven at the defeat of Satan out of the heavens. Verse 10, now is come salvation because the accuser of our brethren is cast down. Oh, he is the accuser of the brethren. And we know that he's been going before God and he has a presence at at the throne of God at, at different times. We see that in the book of Job and he went to the book of Job and in the book of Job he went to before God and he accused Job and he's been the accuser of the brethren but there's coming a day that the accuser of the brethren is going to be cast down. Verse 11, that we see that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. I want to make this statement. The only reason, the only reason that we have a hope in Christ, and the only reason, the only hope that this world has in light of eternity is the blood of the Lamb. And if you're lost this morning, what's, what the issue with you is, is you're under the deception of the devil, the red dragon. He's got you deceived and he's going to take you to hell unless You've gained the victory over him through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm saved by the blood, by the blood alone. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done. I want to say to you, it's by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Michael and his angels, the only way they could defeat Satan and his angels was not by their own might, not by their own effort, but by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means, you see, this war and this victory comes after the crucifixion of Christ. And it's after his... It's after... See, see, the victory that Christ won at Calvary... We see, a, we see that overflowed into the spirit realm at the midpoint of this tribulation period where Michael and his angels, because of Jesus, because of the victory at Calvary, they gain victory in the spirit realm. That's amazing. Amazing. Verse 12, we see a rejoice in heaven, but a woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Woe, a rejoicing and a woe is seen in verse 12. Notice it says, for the devil is come down unto you having great wrath. Why does he have great wrath now? Well, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. 
He knows he's got three and a half years left. He knows. Three and a half years. He's got but a short time. All he's got is the great tribulation period. Lastly, this morning, we see a war on earth, verse 13 through verse 17. Verse 13, we see when the dragon saw that he was cast under the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. So here we see Satan, the dragon. He has great wrath, and in his great wrath, he intensely persecutes the woman, the nation of Israel. Because of that persecution, and this persecution, this intense persecution, under the great wrath of the dragon, comes during this last portion of the tribulation period. Notice what happens, verse 14 through 16. We see the woman Israel is given supernatural deliverance by divine intervention. And to the woman, so here he is, verse 13, the dragon, Satan's persecuting the woman. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time for the space, uh, from the face of the serpent. And the serpent was cast out of, and the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood and the earth helped the woman and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth and the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed which keep the covenants of God, the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Here we see the woman, Israel, is given supernatural deliverance by divine intervention. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, he's done it before. Exodus 19 and verse 5, you have seen what I did under, under the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you under myself. You can also look at Deuteronomy 32, verse 10 through 11. God, many times, for the nation of Israel, the woman clothed with the sun, God has intervened miraculously, supernaturally, and delivered her from the hand of Satan. And he does it again. Let me make this statement. There's no need, really, seriously. There's, there's no need for people to, and it happens, I, whatever, if this is what you do, help yourself. But, you know, there's offerings taken up and food sent and food being stored outside of Israel in the wilderness. And all. There's no, God's not dependent on your baked beans and spaghetti and two-minute noodles to get his people into the wilderness and preserved through the wilderness and saved out of and through that tribulation period, he doesn't need your help. He doesn't need my help. He's going he's gonna to intervene supernaturally. Does that mean we should say, well, hang Israel? No. We should pray for Israel. We should love Israel. But they don't need my baked beans. They don't need my spaghetti. They don't need my two-minute noodles. They need my prayer. We're told to pray for Israel. It says that she flees there a time, a time and times and half a time, and I've already mentioned that's three and a half years. Go with me to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. We need to read this because it brings in the context of uh, Matthew 24, verse 15 through 22. As you're turning there, Listen to Isaiah 26. This is prophetical for this time. Isaiah 26 and verse 20. Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment 
until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. That's Isaiah 26.20. But notice what Matthew 24 verse 15 through 22 says. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. This happens at the midpoint of the tribulation period where the covenant is broken. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall a great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time nor no nor ever shall be and except those days should be shortened there should no flesh be saved but for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened that passage in Matthew 24 fits in the midpoint of the tribulation period where the woman Israel flees to the wilderness we notice in verse 17, the dragon, Satan, his war, his war of wrath. Lastly, this morning, notice in verse 17 on this war on earth. Oh, he's, the dragon's been cast out. He's been defeated by Michael and his angels. He's been cast down to earth. He severely, intensely persecutes the nation of Israel, the woman, and then God intervenes and delivers her supernaturally. You talk about frustrated. He's foiled at every turn. His, his intentions are, are done away with at every turn. And here he is. Notice verse 17. And the dragon was wroth. Why was he wroth? Well, because God intervened again. And uh, he was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. All I know is this. There seems to be a remnant that stay and don't flee into the wilderness. There seems to be a remnant of the seed of Israel. There seems to be some Jews that stay and don't flee into the wilderness. And they seem to be broken into two groups. They seem to be broken into those that keep the commandments of God. Perhaps they're the Orthodox Jews, I don't know. And then there are those which have the testimony of Jesus Christ. I believe they're the tribulation converts that have not taken the mark of the beast, that are saved under the gospel preaching. Remember the two witnesses that we've seen in this parenthetical portion? The two witnesses standing preaching the ever the preaching the gospel of the kingdom? There are people that are converted. And they have the testimony of Jesus Christ. They're saved during that tribulation period. But you know, these, these, these tribulation saints, they're going to suffer. Oh, they're going to suffer. And Satan's going to war a great war of wrath against, against the remnant of her seed. Those tribulation converts, those that are saved, don't take the mark of the beast. There's going to be many martyrs. There's going to be much bloodshed. There's going to be many die for the name and the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ in that day.
Let me conclude. We have one woman, Israel, who brings forth one man-child, Jesus Christ the Messiah. The travail of that birth is not seen until this period of great tribulation. We have Michael and his angels war against the de- and defeat de- the dragon, Satan and his angels, casting them out of heaven under the earth. At this time, the Antichrist breaks the covenant of peace with Israel and we have the abomination of desolation. We have the great dragon, Satan, persecute the woman Israel who delivers them into the wilderness via supernatural intervention. We have the dragon, Satan, knowing his time is short and in great wrath makes war against the remnant of Israel that didn't flee into the wilderness of which many are martyred during this last half of Daniel's 70th week known as the Great Tribulation Period. It's all an overview of what we're going to see when we get into these few chapters here in a little bit when we look at the last half of the Tribulation Period. In verse 9, the devil... It's said of the devil that he deceiveth the whole world. He deceiveth the whole world. Why, why do people reject Jesus? Well, why, why, don't, why do you sit under the sound of the gospel and not come to repentance and faith? 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. At the end of the day, if you're lost, you're deceived by Satan. Your very mind has been blinded by the God of this world. You can't see. What I've preached about this morning just goes over your head. You don't get it. Because it's spiritually discerned. And the reality is, if you don't come to repentance and faith, we as a church are raptured out. There'll be a strong delusion sent your way, and there will be no place to repent and believe. Now, Today is the day of salvation. You say, well, I'll wait till the church goes and that'll prove the Bible and then I'll believe. No, you won't. No, if you won't believe now, you won't believe then either. All right, I've been long. I'm hot. You're hot probably. We got one? Mm -hmm. I'm going to close in a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. I'll let you go. I was long-winded this morning, but thank you for allowing me to get through all the way through chapter 12. I hope it makes some kind of sense. Let's pray. My Lord, we're thankful for the day. Oh, how I'm thankful for the victory of Jesus. I'm thankful, Lord, and looking forward to that day that you do come back and rule and reign with a rod of iron. I'm thankful for that day that the old dragon will finally be cast forever and ever into the bottomless pit. My Lord, we ask your blessing upon us now. Help us, we plead in Jesus' name. Amen.